Welcome to the Let's Scare My Girlfriend to Death podcast. I'm your co-host, Josh. And I'm your co-host, the girlfriend, Cindy. Happy November. Welcome back to another episode of Let's Scare My Girlfriend to Death. Uh, we are doing Stephen King movies for the month of November. My boyfriend, Josh. Hello. That's him. Will uh, attempt to scare me to death via cinematic horror movies. Here we go. Uh, I was going to say for your life insurance, but I wouldn't get that. So yeah. I, I don't know why I'm trying to kill you. Well, because you Probably have a, a problem. Not great plan on my part, but <laughs> I'm just, we're too far in to stop now. Okay. <laughs> Got too much invested. Okay. So uh, we're going to do Stephen King this month. We're starting out. Uh, last week, We you kind of teased we're going to do The Dead Zone. Right? Yeah, that's the first movie. The Dead Zone. All right. Tell me about it. Released October 21st. Or, sorry. Released October 21st, 1983. Okay. It is rated R and one hour and 43 minutes long. All right. The Dead Zone. Uh, it's just a return to form. What year? I'm sorry. 1983. Okay. Return of the Jedi year. Okay. Uh, this is a return to form for two past uh, subjects of our, our podcast. Which is not only Stephen King. was this movie based on a Stephen King book, this movie is directed by David Cronenberg. Really? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We have had quite a few Cronenberg. Well, we had an entire Cronenberg month, didn't mm-hmm. we? We, talk, we did, like, Dead Ringers and Scanners and The Brood. Yep. yep. So 1983, I was four. I or was, I was three, going to be four. I was one. Yeah. So not a whole lot I remember, or we remember. Reagan was president. Anything else? Uh, well, <laughs> Did anything else happen? The year 1983, I kind of tried to skip over some of the more depressing stuff because <laughs> this is the week of the election. Yeah, let's so not talk about it. the day this is released, tomorrow will be election day. So, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, I think our next recording will be uh, <laughs> a little bit different. We'll have different attitudes, maybe. regardless of what or happens. maybe we'll finally get our shit together and double down and get a couple out where we're not waiting until last minute, which is usually, to be honest, my fault. Um, so, okay. 1983. 1983. Okay, so 1983, what happened? Uh, Jim Henson's Fraggle Rock debuts. Such a good show. Uh, Nazi war criminal Klaus Barbie is arrested in Bolivia and later officially charged with war crimes. Finally. The final episode of MASH airs. That was a massive, massive, Mm -hmm. massive movie. Or not movie, but show. Yeah. And then the ending especially, that final episode. The urban legend, I don't know how true it is or not, that it fucked up. The New York City. <laughs> everyone flushed at the same time because everyone ran to the bathroom during the commercial break and flushed at the same time, and it fucked their like super. I've heard that too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> Motown celebrates its 25th anniversary with a TV special where Michael Jackson performed Billie Jean and debuted the Moonwalk. Nice. That happened. Uh, let's see. People? Nintendo's Famicom system goes on sale in Japan. It would later be rebranded as the Nintendo Entertainment System here. Cool. GPS is made available for civilian use. If you can afford it. Uh-huh. The Soviet nuclear false the Soviet nuclear false alarm incident, which is important because we don't talk about uh, Stanislav Petrov, who is the man who kept the world from fucking ending in nineteen eighty three. Yeah. 
Okay. And so the Soviet Union's technology was not uh, at its height in 1983. <laughs> and they had a, a basically like a system breakdown and tell them that we had fired missiles at them. And they were going they were to, getting like, ready to prep back. lob them back. Yeah. And thankfully, Stanislav Petrov was like, wait a minute, it's not let's real. Make a, let's and make a phone just call. Wait a minute. Let's make a phone call. His, like, willingness to wait wait a minute and actually, like, calmly and rationally go through everything is the reason that the planet Earth is still fucking Yay. Uh, so, go him. Go him. And then Michael Jackson aired his thriller music video. Because this is Thriller! Yep. It was the... 1983 Forever in My Head is the year Return of the Jedi came out. Oh. Well, so, yay. Thriller and Return of the Jedi. Okay. Uh, people that were born that year were Emily Blunt, Aziz Ansari, Lupita Nyong'o, Donald Glover, and Jonah Hill to name a few. And two people that I wrote down that died that year because I don't want to... Bum anybody out. Shitty stuff. Uh, Karen Carpenter... And Aww. Tennessee Williams. We've only just begun. So this is where I do my impression of Tennessee Williams. I'm just like, gay and drunk. Mint <laughs> juleps in Louisiana. <laughs> Homoerotic fiction. Heavy drinking. <laughs> in the deep south. Uh. So tell me about this movie. Well, like I said, it's directed by David Cronenberg. So it's, it's gonna written be wild. by Jeffrey Bohm, who wrote Straight Time, Inner Space, and Lethal Weapons 2 and 3. Okay. Uh, it's based on a book by Stephen King. A book or a short story? A book. A book, okay. Oh, a book. So the thing about this book, and we'll get into that right now before we get into the cast, is it was written in 1979, and... Um, it was the first of his books to reach number one on the bestseller list. And he claims, Stephen King claims, that it's one of his best um, selling and most successful novels. All right. And it. Have you it read it as well as I've not read it. So it clocks in at a whopping 428 pages. But this team managed to make a one hour and 43 minute movie. Dang. So kudos to them. It was a TV show. Do you remember that USA did a I TV show say, with Anthony Michael yeah, Hall? Yeah. Back in like the 2000s? Okay, yeah. Yes, I was aware of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was the first King story set in the fictional town of Castle Rock, which was going to be a, a famous location for yes. most of the stories. Um. So, who is in this movie? Tell who me. stars in this movie? Stars in 1983. Pretty impressive. So, it stars Christopher Walken Ooh. as Johnny. You know, you know him, at least I you know, know him. You know him, you love him. Uh, Deer Hunter, King of New York, literally everything. He's in fucking Joe Dirt. Yeah. I mean. He's Christopher he's in, Walken. He's in everything, right? Loves to work, Christopher Walken. Brooke Adams. Plays uh, Sarah Brackness. I don't know who that is. Do I? You do know who she is. She is one of the stars of Days of Heaven with Richard Gere. The movie mm. where they, they were farming and... The Richard Gere movie where they're up at... They're like farming in Texas. I don't think I know that one, dear. We totally watched it with your mom one night. And you're like, this movie's really pretty. Oh! Yeah. 
I think I'm just thinking of Summers being I can't stop. And Continue. she's also been um, she was also in Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Ooh. The one from the seventies. We saw that for this we podcast. Did. Which is why everyone out there should know who Brooke Adams is. Tom Scarrett. I will. Tom <laughs> Scarrett. I like Tom Scarrett. He's <laughs> Sheriff Bannerman. Uh, you know him from Alien, from Top Gun, from Poison Ivy, Cindy. <laughs> I feel like that's, huh. I, Tom Scarrett and Poison Ivy was very, very important to me. Continue. <laughs> uh, uh, running out the cast, we have Herbert Lom, who's Dr. Sam Wysak. He was in Spartacus, and he was the police captain in the Pink Panther movies. Trying to place that face, but okay, it doesn't the matter. The one that Inspector Clouseau caused yeah. to go crazy and became, yeah. he, he got institutionalized and then became a villain. And yeah, the pink as the movies, movies progressed, are fucking hilarious. That's awesome. Also, kind of racist, uh, <laughs> if especially towards French people. Yes. Uh, let's see. And last but not least, Martin Sheen as Greg Stilson. You know, from Apocalypse Now and from Badlands. Badlands, directed by Terrence Malick, who also directed Days of Heaven. There's a twofer for Terrence Malick. Yay! Oh. Taking a big drink. Okay. Uh, very thirsty. So, the only other piece of trivia I can really throw out, because I don't want to get into the minutia or spoil anything. This yes. is one of only three Cronenberg films that he didn't have his friend Howard Shore do the score for. Oh, score, okay. So Howard Shore is a big-time composer who did, I believe, the Lord of the Rings movies, amongst many other things, but he's literally done almost every fucking David Cronenberg film because they're, like, super good friends. And And this was one of only, like, three that he didn't do, and the reason he didn't do it was this was Cronenberg's first studio film. Right. And so he didn't want to kind of no. ask for too much? He or? wanted Howard Shore to do it, and the studio was like, we no. don't know who the fuck that is, no. Oh, like, okay. He would go on you to... get to use someone that has done like a studio movie before. Gotcha. And it's funny because Howard Shore would go on to be way, I think, in my mind, way more famous than Michael Kamen. The person who did this, who this did score. Who did score for this movie. Tell me more. But, yeah, that's all I got. Um... Tell me, all right, do you have a poster for me? Yes. So, okay, um, this is the part of the program. Josh has me a poster, and I tell you the anticipated plot from seeing said poster. I will tell you, this movie is as awesome as this poster is not awesome. Okay, so the poster is, it just says the dead zone. Um it looks like lightning is striking the O in zone. In his mind, he has the power to see the future. In his hands, he has the power to change it. The dead zone. I think this is going to be about a guy who dreams of the, what's going to happen the next day. And he tries to change things the next day. And much like a monkey's paw, he finds out you can't fuck with fate. Okay. That weirdly... Maybe think of what was the show where the guy would get the morning paper for the next day. Do you remember that show? I know there's a movie with. There was like a TV show that was on for a while where like the guy would get like morning edition Tuesday's paper on Monday, so he would know everything was going to happen. And then if like a 
building was going to burn down, like a whole family would die. He would go save them. Oh. And I can't remember what that was. But when you were describing that, it made me think of that. And I was like, huh. Maybe. I can't remember the name of that show. I need to look that up. Okay. So where can we find this? This is a Stephen King movie, so I know that you probably have it on DVD. It's but what about... Prime. Okay. It's streaming for free on Prime. Um, there is a Blu-ray release, but it's part of a set. And I call bullshit on that set. Because Bye. there's no special features on anything. Oh, it's just and, a packaging. And, and, and it's kind of lame. And this is like a really good, like, I would say for me, definitely top five Stephen King films. And it's never gotten like a big, awesomely nice release. Like, it's kind of forgotten about. Do you know why that is? Like, I don't know. It's so weird because other Is Stephen it like a King soundtrack movies, thing? Or? And I don't want to be disrespectful, but other Stephen King movies made by less prestigious filmmakers have gotten get really nice. Yeah. Like, special edition Blu-rays and are celebrated. Like, they just did a giant... Shot Factory did a giant release for Silver Bullet, which is fun. But not... But not nearly as good as this movie. Mm. And so I don't know if it's a rights issue, because it was produced by Dino De Laurentiis. Maybe it's something like that. Um, but I don't... This movie's kind of forgotten about in the in the... The King Cannon. Gotcha. Um, so that is that why we're starting out with it this week? Oh, it's you'll see. Okay. Once once you watch it, you'll understand why we're leading with it. All right. Okay. So I guess we're gonna be watching it. On, we're just gonna watch it streaming. Just watch it on Prime. Okay. I have a DVD, but Prime will look better theoretically. Gotcha. All right. Well, join us, won't you? Mind the doors. You've been in a coma, Johnny. For how long? Five years. The house is burning. Your daughter's in the house. It's not too late. You're the talk of the town. Because I got my head bashed in and I'm still here to talk about it. Because you have the power of second sight. I don't know whether it's true or not, these psychic powers of yours. I'm at my wit's end, John. I could use your help. It has to do with these murders we've been having. Castle Rock Killer. I saw his face. Just thought I'd stop by here on my way to the U.S. Senate. Greg Stilson. He's dangerous. If you could go back in time before Hitler came to power, knowing what you know now, would you kill him? I would kill him. You'd never get away alive. It doesn't matter. I'm not crazy, you know. Those headaches are getting worse, aren't they? As the visions grow stronger and more powerful, so the body weakens. God has seen fit to bless you with this gift. You should use it. Bless me! Not only can you see the future, I can change it. What if that's how we started the back half? I was just like, you got my flow all fucked up. Fucked up my flow. We're recording. I know. That's why I keep going. <laughs> Welcome back. I'm in a really good mood. Welcome back from watching The Dead Zone. <laughs> yes. A movie that is, uh, how would you, what did you say, prescient? Yes. This movie is... Prescient for our times. Yeah. 
We are less than a week away from the uh, American election of the 46th president. So today is Thursday. We'll know the 29th. Tuesday. Tomorrow. By this time Tuesday. Well, no. Saturday is the 31st. It's Halloween that has been ruined by COVID. Mm-hmm. And then this Like Tuesday everything this year. Will be election day. Mm-hmm. Where we've been given the option between... The lesser of two evils? Yeah, the giant sack of shit on the left... And the even gianter sack of shit on the right. We sure would like somebody either in the center or a full leftist. I'm no, just, man, I want like a full on like give redo me like everything. A, give me like an angry middle aged black lesbian. No <laughs> more fucking white guys. No more fucking like boring like pro fracking. Don't give a fuck about anyone other than other white guys. White guys. I'm done. I'm done with it. From one white guy to another, you're done. Yeah. The world That's has it. heard white guys are canceled, guys. The you heard here first. Has heard enough from me. Right? And yet we still have a podcast. Exactly. That's called This is just privilege. Me. Just me. Like everyone I've read the white guy's done. It's just me. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Every <laughs> Yeah. Alright, so Dead Zone. This movie. Dead Zone. Okay. I don't understand and maybe Listeners, if you can drop us a line on Facebook and explain this to me. Why this is kind of a forgotten about Stephen King movie and a forgotten about David Cronenberg movie. Like, this movie is never brought up. For two very famous, yeah, you know, two, directors and director and writers, why is it... it it's, it had a TV show. Maybe yeah. it's just... It it's was just really popular, now it's just not anymore. Oh, okay. It's well. just... I don't know what it is. Like, it's almost like this is the... When someone says, you know, what is the best, what what are the best Stephen King movies? You almost have this one in your back pocket because no one's ever going to mention it. And then you're mm. like, Dead Zone. And people are like, oh yeah, that movie's really good. But Well, okay, so the movie is about um, <laughs> an English teacher who's in a car accident and wakes up five years later from a coma with the ability to, like, see the future. And long story short, he ends up trying to murder a guy running for Senate because he foresees that he's going to destroy the world. There's a lot of other stuff in there, too. Yeah. You did a way better job than IMDb's first one. IMDb's first description just says, are you ready for this? Yes. A man awakens from a coma to discover he has a psychic ability. Done. Well, that's the who, the what. You know, I'm just being a little more concise. No, and I appreciate that. But we actually talked quite a bit off mic post movie about how the structure of even the movie lends itself to a television show. Yes. Because it, it doesn't it is very like episodic that way. One. It is very episodic, right? Like it's um Chris Walken at the beginning is like a boring English teacher with a shitty haircut. His hair no, is I think it's just his normal hair, but they flat ironed it. I was I've been thinking about that for a, a long time now. So since I first saw it, I imagine. Once he gains his psychic powers, the mm-hmm. dead zone, his hair becomes pretty dope. His hair becomes Christopher Walken. It, it, it's very, like, it stands up. Yeah, it's, that's what his hair looks you know, like in real life. It's almost like it's it's pulling the psychic ability from the air around it. Yeah, he's got that. Like, like his hair in real life. Because yeah. he does have psychic powers, yeah. I think. But at the <laughs> beginning, it's like, it's all flat and weird. And yeah, it looks almost like a bowl cut. It, in a way. it really does look like they took his hair and like flat ironed it, so it like laid down. It because it wasn't exactly like a Lancelot, but uh, it was a yeah. whole, it was a whole mess. And, and then for how awesome his hair got, 
So for how stupid it looked and then how fucking cool it got after his five-year coma, Brooke <laughs> Adams' hair did the opposite. And it went from long and very it, fair faucet. To my mom's haircut she had for almost my entire childhood. To... <laughs> that is true. Tyne Daly. She had the Tyne Daly haircut. The haircut she has... Yeah. ...is the haircut my mom had. I believe it. From legit... Probably the time I was in second or third grade until I graduated high school. The biggest thing I think your mom and my mom have in common is their hatred of hair. They just want to like wash it and be done with it. That's uh, Ma's way of doing things too. My mom gets visibly upset when her hair grows out. Like my mom bought in, during the like pandemic. It just irritates her during the pandemic to make it through because they were like, "You you shouldn't go do things like get haircuts and shit," and like. I have no problem just letting my hair grow you wild. You did look uh, wild for a little um, bit. And my, like, my brothers just grew crazy beards. It's whatever. Did my your dad? Mom, my dad grew, it's, my dad's hair got long, like longer. Uh, his beard got crazy. But like my mom bought at Walmart a pair of like clippers and was just buzzing her fucking head. Yeah. So I would go it. over to the house and my mom looked like she just came back from like a neo-Nazi rally. <laughs> And I was like, well, what the fuck are you doing? And she's like, I just don't like long hair, Josh. I don't like it. I just, I don't like it. Yeah. Mom's hair is usually like an inch or two long and that's it. My, my mom's hair is long. I mean, I'll, I'll give her that. But if she had her way, she would probably do the same thing. She doesn't like it. Uh, she's an adult. She can shave her head. I know. Okay. Takeaway from this movie. It's the old, if you could go back in time and kill baby Hitler, would you? If you had a chance to prevent World War II, would you? He even specifically asked that question. Well, that's, I mean, that's yeah. the underlying message of the whole thing. It's saying it without saying it, right? So. I mean, he he verbally, com- like with the doctor, with mm-hmm. Dr. Wiesak, he's like, if you could go back in time, which is unfair to ask the doctor that. Because, because he doesn't have the ability. He survived World War II and the German invasion of Poland. Because when he touches the doctor's hand, like that's the thing with yeah. his powers. When he touches your hand, he can see your past and your future. Right, and so he sees the doc in the doctor's past. He sees his mom. Okay, I wasn't sure he could see their past and their future. I just thought like whatever happened, like something important in their life. Happened. Yeah, he can't really control it. He okay. gets one or the other. I, it's not like he gets what he needs to know right then. Like, okay, just in case you didn't watch the movie Weirdo and you just like to hear us talk. Yeah, that's for you, Weirdo. Uh, and um, you're talking to my mom. Watch it. <laughs> I just, okay. Why would you not want to watch this movie? Anyway, uh, long story short, his powers and how they work are, are. way more defined in the book. Obviously, I would imagine. Than are there the more little episodes? You know, so he at one point helped solve a serial murder. Um, like, are there more little episodes like that where he? I mean, it's from what I remember. I haven't read the book in a very long time, but it kind of shakes out like that, and the. First of all, it's important to know that not only, I think we talked at the beginning of the movie, the beginning of the podcast, that this was his first number one hit, right? This was Carrie kind of, people were like, oh shit, and then this really blew the doors off. So this film and the book are based kind of loosely on the life of Peter Herkos. Who's that? Who was a psychic of some fame, and he claimed that he got his psychic powers after falling off a ladder and hitting his head. And then Stephen King was like, well, that's a cool idea, and but just falling it. off a ladder is kind of boring. How about we have a fucking full of car wreck and then a five-year coma? Ooh. And then... That is kind of scary. There were 
the dead zone term comes from you remember the theory, I'm sure you heard it when we were kids, where they would say, like, you know, we only use 10% of our brains. Yes. Which is not true. But we were always told when we were kids, like, oh, if we could use another 90%, like, we could probably, like, lift cars and fly and Correct. read people's minds. And that was, like, a real thing. So the dead zone comes from the, the yeah, idea. I think, I think that was even taught in science class, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah, that if you could unlock your potential, you right. could do basically anything. And in the book... Johnny's brain has to reroute during his coma because his brain's damaged. It has to reroute through the dead zone part of his mind. And that That's remapping why he has, awakens didn't really his explain powers. that too much. I just kind of said that I got the drift that or got the, that they called the dead zone, the place that he went when he sees the, when he has the visions, like where he's kind of in between worlds. I just assumed I was like, oh, okay, that's what they're calling the dead zone. Yeah. And that makes sense to go that route, and I think they kind of lean into that. Mm-hmm. Like, there's some stuff in the book that they kind of, or the movie that they kind of tease from the book, but ultimately they did take a 400-plus page book and turn it into not even a two-hour movie. Yeah. So they had Cuts to really had to be made. some stuff. Uh, so, but the, the way the movie's structured is... is him as a teacher with the terrible hair, <laughs> the car accident, the coma. Him as a teacher with the terrible hair. And then he hair. wakes up, and then he grabs the nurse's hand, remember? Mm-hmm. He's all oh, sweaty yeah, and Amy. Was and that he's it? like, she's dying. She's burning. She's burning right, right now. And that was... <laughs> I remember watching this movie for the first time, and, and that terrified. scene, I was like, holy fuck, this movie is really good. <laughs> that was a scene that sealed it. I it was, was like, out of the, I did, this movie's awesome. Totally out of the blue. <laughs> I... Yes. And the cool thing was, he was so sweaty, and the, <laughs> the reason that the sweat looked off was it wasn't sweat. They had covered him it? in, like, this liquid flame retardant to keep him from burning, because he was in a burning bed. Okay. And then they thought, they were like, wow, that looks really cool. Like, it looks like So they just like left sweating. it on, like, sweat. Huh. Okay. kind of, like had an unintended because I didn't even pay I mean literally put you don't Chris pay a Walken. whole lot of attention to us you know yeah. he's in a hospital bed he's sweating you don't yeah. pay a lot of attention you're like to he's it. got a fever like that's crazy and then suddenly like he's in that little girl's room and she's screaming and the the fishbowl was like boiling and yeah his, the bed he's in is on fire it's because they really set the fucking bed he was in on fire Boy, and, and then it covered yes. him and like a flame retardant and that's that why he was like now wet <laughs> that makes a lot of sense now Okay. And then we go from that to his next vision is the one about the doctor in World War Two, and they're speaking Polish, and they're like, you know, we can't walk in like his narrating, and he's like, you know, you can't hold, you can't hold it back. And he, yeah, and he just tells the, um, uh, the doctor yeah, that Dr. his, Weezer. well, my head just went somewhere. So how did he know the story of his mother? Like, he... He just... He can pull information from any... Like... Okay. He just basically is a mental Superman. Okay. And I think the one time... And he time, can see anywhere in time The one space. time that the rules, the movie rules, are not quite... Is in that opening is, part. Is with the doctor. Yeah. Because, you know, he knows the... His mom's the mother's name, name and, and that she's still number. alive. Or not the phone number, but uh, like she's still alive and he tells her to call maybe her. Maybe it was that he he could see that the mom... Remember, she got 
pulled by that one yeah, guy back when the explosion happened. He, and he where Chris Walken... Dead. By the way, what was his name? Johnny? Danny? Johnny. Johnny. Um, and maybe that's it. Like, from his vantage point, he could see, like, no, she survived it. She's okay. So maybe that was it. And I'm being rude. <laughs> so that leads to he has to learn how to rewalk after mm-hmm. being in a coma. Uh, Sheriff Bannerman, as played by... Uh, Cindy favorite Tom Skerritt um, <laughs> ask him hey we're having like a serial killer problem is there any way you could we're having um, a sitch I would at, at this point entertain the wildest thing just anything that can help I'm, I'm open to because we're we're just lost yeah um, it's, it was pretty bad and then <laughs> he goes and this is all kind of intertwined with Brooke Adams and I kind of am angry at her character a little bit. Because she got married and ran off? No, I mean, I don't fault her for running off and being like, you know, it's been five years, we thought you were a vegetable, you're never coming back. Yeah. But, like, the fact that she keeps coming into his life and then leaving... It's very Jenny and Forrest Gump, isn't it? But, wait, the dead zone's way better than Forrest Gump. But, but, you know what I mean? It's that whole, like, like, if you're gonna go, go. If you're gonna stay, stay. But don't do this... Back and forth bullshit. Like, she comes over to his house with her kid and is like, hey, I'm here to make dinner and hang out and fuck you. While my kid's asleep. Right? And then we're going to joke with your dad and have a good time and pretend, like, for one night, like, we're a family, and then I gotta leave. Like, it's just... I gotta go back to... Uh, who, who played her husband? He looked familiar. Uh, I believe his name was Kevin White Guy. Oh. Because he just looked like every other Yeah, maybe that's it. So, that's I don't the name think... I gave him. Kevin White Guy. I'm not going to say it, because I say it every episode. Does this movie fit the Arkov formula? I think so. Okay. I mean, A, action. Mostly, yeah. Uh, yeah, because yeah, it, it does start off, um, you think, you know, like, oh, it's like a little love story thing, but there is a pretty huge car crash uh, right at the beginning. and then He hits a container of, of milk. milk. And we well, know he he hits an eighteen wheeler. Yeah, and we know like yeah, like a two, he hit like a gallon of milk. No, it's like an eighteen just, wheeler. Conti- yeah, yeah, a container of milk. And I was always taught that like milk in movies usually is a stand-in for like purity and innocence. Oh, so this is kind of like from here on out, like your eyes are more open, and you're gonna have the special power. That he spends the majority of the movie thinking is a curse. It's true, he does. He's very Because unhappy. your innocence is over. Like, Is this a revolutionary idea? The idea of touching someone and seeing the future. Was this the first one to do that? Um, I don't know if I would give the concept of like psychic ability a revolutionary nod. I okay. think everything... With Greg Stilson running for president makes this movie okay. revolutionary. Yes, and so that's the kind of ultimate. That's know, that's the part of the movie we didn't talk about, right. which is he becomes friends with like this very powerful man who wants him to come work with his son, not as a psychic, but as a teacher because he's a kind he's of a tutor. teacher. And then he he's meets a, uh, a guy running for senate and. He almost touches his hand, and then later, when he at the rally, when he touches his hand, Played he by realizes, Martin yeah, Martin Sheen is literally a psych, like a psychotic human, correct, who is one day going to become president and then end the fucking world correct. in a nuclear holocaust. 
which is why we were talking earlier about being a person if you could in the movie. if you could oh, go back yeah, in time and kill Hitler would you do would it, you do it? What you knew um and I think that's what makes this movie okay so yes uh killing yes uh the serial killer who dies in a horrific way Frank and then Dog. yeah there, there's definitely killing oratory yes anytime Christopher Walken speaks there's great speeches to happen in I think this may, and someone someone's gonna argue this with me. I think this may be his best performance, like because he hasn't settled into walkinisms as much yet, right? Yeah, his tropes, like the thing like <clears throat> he did and Al Pacino did of like you know all these things work, so I'm just gonna do yeah. these things of like being just walking. He was still fresh, super fucking weird. If he <laughs> ages, he's because these weird mannerisms. But this movie is like, I've never felt worse for Chris Walken in a movie than in this movie. Like I'm just every time I watch it I'm like, please end differently. Yeah. Please work out. Please like And then our final to be yeah, fin- fantasy and fornication. There's not a whole lot of fornication. I mean they do bone uh on the living room floor. That was weird. But nothing's really sh- like it it's very soap opera esque. And fantasy, what what do you say what do you hmm Cindy, he touches people's hands and sees their past. How do you know that's not real, Josh? (laughs) You don't know that's not real. That is fanciful as I'll get out. Whatever. Um, Agree to disagree on that one, bro. I would say maybe not on fornication, but I think it hits all the other boxes. Fair. It does. So this this is an archive. Was this a successful movie? Yeah, this movie was successful. Which is why, again, why I don't understand why it's forgotten about. Like, it's such a good movie. Well, was there like a, a feud or something? Give us some trivia. Was there anything I just, I think that it, might... It may just be like the placement and their filmographies. Like, with Stephen King, this is kind of in that weird mm. zone where it's after... Um, Carrie and The Shining, which were huge hits. Yeah. Even huge, I saw like, Carrie. Defining hits. Well, we've watched Carrie for the podcast. Um, and then. What about Christine? You got a lot of the 80s stuff, which is a very mixed bag. This came out right around the same time as Christine, um, which is more remembered and yeah. recorded than this movie. Yeah, I've seen Christine too. And I think that this movie falls in a period for Cronenberg fans. Where it feels, it's like a good movie, but it doesn't... It's not a Cronenberg movie. It doesn't match up to the other ones. Like, this comes in the the realm of, like, The Brood and Scanners. And then I think this, and then The Fly. Okay. So people are like... When they think of David Cronenberg, they think think of of The Brood, Scanners, and The Fly. So this movie kind of just maybe gets forgotten about. Possible. Which is crazy, because this movie's... It's a it's solid. Stephen. It's too Stephen King to be a Cronenberg movie, right? But it's too Cronenberg to be a Stephen King movie. Maybe that's it. The two fandoms can't meet. I think this movie leans more King than Cronenberg, especially the Cronenberg of that the we period. all know and love, like the body horror. I think the only Cronenberg touch was Frank Dodd, the cop slash serial killer fucking eating those scissors to kill himself basically i think that is like the cronenberg touch right there but most of it is not so much body horror well that's what i mean like it's so that well who knows give me some trivia what else is going on in this movie what was happening behind the scenes yada 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 uh so in the novel frank dodd the cop who's also a serial killer um he's like 
kind of known at later in the back half of the book as like a town boogeyman. And what do you mean? Oh, okay. Kind of, you know, kind of like how Michael Myers would have been and hadn't felt kind of like, you know, there was that guy that was on the street right. and murdered that whole family. Yeah. But in the Cujo book implies, and we talked about this when we did Cujo, it implies that, of course, there was rabies and that's what drove the dog mad, but they also hint, or King hints in that book, that it was the spirit of Frank Dodd trying to kill more people through Cujo. Oh. So, but they dropped that whole, because Cujo came out, well, Cujo the book came out after the Dead Zone book, but the Cujo movie was made and came out before the Dead Zone movie. But isn't it, I mean, that's because Stephen King has a unit, right? Everything ties in together. All his books tie in together. That's the whole Dark Dark Tower series. I mean, spoiler alert, (laughs) at some point this month we're doing Pet Cemetery, and in the book Pet Mm -hmm. Cemetery... They mentioned a dog that went crazy a couple times over and killed some people, and that's Cujo. <laughs> like, oh. so they're all kind of, you know. Um, so the crazy, like, walking flinches he does when he's, like, holding yes. people. Do you know how they did that? How? Did they have, like, shocks on him? No. So mm-hmm. I'm going to say this, and this is going to sound fucking awful. Yes. But in his defense, it was not his idea. Chris Walken asked him to do it. So... Knowing what you know now, okay. Chris Walken asked David Cronenberg to stand off camera and fire blanks out of a three fifty seven at random to scare the shit out of him to get those expressions. So he would go, <laughs> yeah. So they would just be filming him doing stuff, and then Cronenberg would just fire and be like, like it scared, it legitimately scared him. <laughs> hey, I mean that. Okay, I mean I commented on them because it was yeah, it was so. Genuine, I guess that explains that. Uh, and one of the few things they actually had to reshoot for this movie that was. cost money, they had to reshoot the little girl's burning room scene. Why? Because on her shelf, because it's a kid's room, right? Yes. She had a toy E.T. on the oh. shelf, and Universal wah, Studios sued wah. them. They're like, we'll sue the shit out of you if you leave that in this movie. If you put an E.T. there. And they couldn't go in and digitally erase it because that technology didn't exist yet. <sighs> so they had to fucking reshoot the whole scene. Lovely. Without an E.T. on the shelf. That's a dick move. Yeah, but that hey, that's Hollywood, right? Uh, and then there's a lot of trivia in this movie about that fucking beautiful gazebo. That the serial that, that we the find serial killer out. killed that lady on. Yeah, that's how walk, we find that's out where Walken discovers that it was the Frank Dodd the cop. Mm-hmm. So that gazebo uh, was that scene where that gazebo is. It was in Niagara. I said that like super southern. Yeah, Niagara. What, not, okay, uh, Niagara. Uh, and the town initially refused to let them build that gazebo. There wasn't a gazebo there. Why is that? And just. There's not a gazebo there? I no, I mean, like, why do they refuse? No, I thought you were like, why, like, why, why would there you... not a gazebo there, Josh? That's a perfect location no, for No, why would you fight... Uh, what, go ahead. Well, their whole thing was like, you know, this is a pristine shoreline. Oh. Like, we don't want that here. And so Cronenberg basically had to swear to them, hey, we will build it. And then once we you shoot, will come. we will tear it down and remove it. And I bet... By the end, they're like, we love it. <laughs> and so after they shot everything and they were going to tear it down, the city, like, asked to keep it. Told you. And it has become, it's still standing, and it's this huge location for, like, wedding photos. Yeah. And they even use it 
and like um, pamphlets and stuff to get For people to town. come to the town. Tourism, yeah. Yeah, they're like this beautiful gazebo overlooking like the Great Lakes or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me uh, more. Anything how about, else? How about some a, a snippet of Colleen Dewhurst? I love Colleen trivia. Dewhurst. So why do you love her so much? So uh, I grew up on two things: Murphy Brown and Anne of Green Gables. And what the in the Venn diagram of those two worlds, the politics do woman who can do everything, and the sassy bookworm who wants love, uh, in the Venn diagram of those two sits Colleen Dewhurst. Colleen Dewhurst played uh it'll come to me in a minute. Uh oh my gosh, name just left. From Anne Green Gable, she played the aunt. Um, and then she played Avery, she played Murphy Brown's mom. And I Mm, oh gosh, I'm, I feel like I'm having a stroke that I can't remember. Marilla, <laughs> thank you, Marilla. So she played Marilla in the Anne of Green Gables series <laughs> that came out on the Canadian Broadcasting Network, and we've talked about how I'm a Canadian at heart. That's why you love David Cronenberg so much. If I had, if someone were to tell me that I could be a trash collector, but I got to live on Prince Edward Island, I would do it. You I feel like, let's go. You can do that. No, follow, like... Follow your dream. Um, follow your dream, Cindy. I love... Anywho, <laughs> so I, Colleen Dewhurst I was very excited about. And I was worried that I had the name wrong because when uh, Johnny wakes up in his coma, the woman who plays his mother uh, also had a small part on Anna Green Gables, but she went on to become the star of Avon Lee. I'm sorry. That We'll talk about that on my Canadian... On your Colleen Dewhurst podcast? Yes. Sorry. <laughs> hey, no, it's fine. Uh, when I get on a tangent about Kurt Russell, you're always like, welcome to the Josh Kurt Russell podcast. Sorry. Uh, no. So the reason I bring her up is she plays the serial killer Frank Dodd's mom, mm-hmm. who knows that he's a serial killer. That's pretty shitty on her part, that she didn't stop him. And she shoots Chris Walken, right? Yes. In one of Chris Walken's, maybe his first film, which is Annie Hall. Yes. The the um, movie by the guy, Woody Allen, that you hate. Yeah. Colleen I'm not paying Dewhurst, attention to anything you're saying right now, but okay. In Annie Hall, Colleen Dewhurst plays Chris Walken's mom. <laughs> really? Yeah. She's not that old. That's the thing. Well, the mom that, the lady who played his mom in this movie, in The Dead Zone, yeah. was like five years older than him. Four or five years older than him. She just looked old as shit. Yes, she does. Sorry, she yeah. played Aunt... Holly, is that right? In Avonlea. Uh, and then we talked about the Greg Stilson, uh, <clears throat> Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny because Stephen King has referred to, like, when Trump originally started running for president in, like, 2015. Stephen King know. very noticeably on, like, Twitter was like, so this is Greg Stilson. Especially whenever, to tie it into West Virginia, Trump came here and did that big rally in front of those coal miners and puts that fucking coal hat yep, on. That tiny And was hat. like, eh, 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 like thumbs up and like being a sack of shit. To be fair, Joe Biden's also a sack of shit, but slightly less. Yeah. Um, it's we're very fucked. Greg Stilson. It's very, very Greg Stilson. And I think we're lucky that we didn't get into a fucking nuclear war in the last four years. There's but still time. in the scenes where he's arguing with that general and he's like put your hand on that scanner I'll hack your yep. hand off in the original script he just shoots him and then puts his hand on there oh and then they tone that down a little bit 
<laughs> Damn, son. And then at the very end, because this movie ends, I think I like this movie so much because it ends on such a downbeat note. Like, this would make a really good double feature. That should be a thing we do in the future. Double features? I just pair the movie with another film that you should watch it as a double feature with. And I think the perfect double feature for this movie... Would be? Blowout. The John Travolta 1981 movie. I do love Blowout. Because of the endings are very similar in a way. But the end of this movie is walking... It's not a happy ending, that's Knowing sure. what Greg Stilson will do is going to kill him. Mm-hmm. And he drives, he gets on that bus and goes to that town and he's going to shoot him from the balcony. And in the process of preparing to shoot him, he um, he misses, but he demonstrates that, that he's, Stilson's a coward. He, he picks up a baby as like a shield. Baby. Right. The baby that they had sex in front of. <laughs> well, I mean, whatever. They fucked in front of that baby. And then... He's like holding the baby like a shield, and then there's that guy who takes all these pictures of him being a coward, mm-hmm. and then, and then he ends up committing suicide because yeah, in uh, Walken's vision of the future, right? Like they shoot Chris Walken, he falls off the balcony, no, and then he touches Stilson, who's like, "Who the fuck are you?" And he sees that he won't become it's president. Over. The future's changed. It's over. And then Brooke Adams comes up, and she's like, "Oh my god!" And she tells him she loves him, and the reason. Why you don't see her face when she does that is they looped that audio in. Mm-hmm. It wasn't shot on the day. Was she just crying? No. It was they, just supposed to end with. It was just going to end with her being like, oh my God, and then he's dead. And they were like, we should give some closure to yeah. him. Like, throw him a fucking bone. Like Something. His, his life has been awful. So they throw in the whole. Let life. him have a happy death. Yeah. Uh, okay. What are we watching next week, babe? Oh, hold on. Oh, wow. Okay, what you got for me? Um, who do you think was Stephen King's choice to play the Walken role? Apparently not Christopher Walken. Who was it? He wanted Bill Murray. What? Really? And then for the Sheriff Bannerman role, yeah. the, like the, the Tom yeah, Scott yeah. role, Cronenberg uh, wanted Hal Holbrook. And I'm not going to lie, I really like Tom Scarrett, but Hal Holbrook, Holbrook would have been, been fun. fucking amazing. It's like, oh, so Mark Twain pulled up to your house and is like, there's a serial killer on the loose. Yeah. I know Hal Holbrook from <laughs> Designing Women. Yeah, I know from The Fog. Julia Sugarbaker's baby. Yeah. We were a Designing Women family, more so than a Golden Girls family growing up. I saw them all. Doesn't matter. If there was a powerful woman, I was there. That well, sounds weird, doesn't that's it? That's a great segue into next week's movie. What are we watching? Because we're watching Misery. Bum, bum, bum. I've never seen that movie. With Kathy Bates. We'll talk about that. I was about to say something. I'm like, nope, never mind. Save it for the podcast. Kathy Bates. So, before we sign off. Yes. I'm just going to challenge everyone to a drinking contest next week. What is it? Every time on the front or back half of the podcast where one of us brings up or mentions fried green tomatoes because of Kathy Bates have to take a drink okay (laughs) done that's my challenge to you all right done (laughs) done Done. all right well then until next time and i'm cindy and i'm still his girlfriend yay